Wasn't it great to hear uh, Dean's story and uh, the role of the local church in the community? And that's what we do believe. It's the local church, which is the hope of the world as we share Jesus. And I've had the privilege of, of being there on a Sunday with Unity Church and uh, midweek, uh, just popping into their building. And I'm so thrilled with what God is doing around the world, but particularly in this church as one of our family of churches in in regions beyond and so it's a great joy Dave is becoming a very good friend it's great to have him with us over this weekend so let's give him a round of applause as we welcome Dave to us Thank you. well we've had a we've had a great weekend we came here about midday yesterday and I love Hull. I can't deny it. I love your city. It's, it's a lovely place to be. I, I came January last year, I think, with, with the Regions Beyond Hub, and I, I felt like I, I, ha- I wanted to see more. You know when you go somewhere and you think, oh, I want to see more. So it was great to have a sort of guided tour. I mean, Steve is a great guide, isn't he, if you ever get a chance. And, and I was very happy. I've got, uh, I'm going to say a bit about myself, but um, I've got two young children, and my, my little boy, he's sort of nearly four, and he loves frogs. And we were outside the Wilberforce thing, and there's this giant frog there. So I took a picture, and he was, he was very happy about this. I've got a little daughter who's 18 months old. She's, uh, she's crazy. She climbs up on everything. She pulls TVs on her head, and she's wild. But she is an absolute delight. And my wife, Kate, uh, would love to be with us, but Rosie's had a chest infection and uh, all sorts of things at home. Um, a bit about me, I, I used to work, before I did things like this, I used to work as a fitness instructor. I was first a lifeguard, um, so I, I was, I'd like, you know, it, it looks a bit more glamorous than it was. I sat on the edge of the pool and watched people swim up and down, and I never saved anyone. I never did it. You know, I never had that moment, that Hasselhoff moment to dive in, I'll save you. Never, never did it. So, you know, lifeguards are great, but... The, you know, safety now is, is too good that you don't have to save anyone. Um, but that's, that's my background, fitness. And then um, I worked in schools for a number of years and I trained for the, uh, theology school, um, I don't know, about five years ago and was in South Africa for 18 months with Gary Welsh in, um, near Cape Town. So that's a bit about me. I, I love sport. I, I do love rugby league. I love rugby league. Uh, I think it's a great sport. I've been to see lots. Uh, who I, I'm not saying her, uh, who I prefer in Hull. I mean, that's a, but I do enjoy rugby league. I, I had a season ticket at uh, Harlequins Rugby League when it was that for, for a season. Really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed DIY as well. I enjoyed getting the hammer out and bashing things up and trying to make them look better. Um, it's great to be with you. It really is great to be with you. Um, and I love what you do here. I love the journey that, you, that, that people go on here. And I love the experience of God's presence amongst you. And this morning, before we start, I'm going I'm to pray. Yeah, Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, that you call us on a journey, Lord. You use all of our experiences, all of our mess, Lord. You, you can turn it around into something beautiful. And Lord, we want to pray this morning, would you meet with us? Lord, we're eager and keen to meet with you. And Lord, we want to pray, would you come and speak to us through your word? Lord, come and meet with us. We pray for an experience of your presence for each and every person in this room. Amen. I want to tell you about Leslie Barnett, who I haven't got a picture of her. You know when you you used to work with someone and you think, I wonder if their face is on Google, couldn't find her at all. 
but she changed my life. And when I worked in gyms, she took me out of my comfort zone. She taught me what no one else did. That actually being a fitness instructor or being a personal trainer wasn't about big muscles, all of that. It was actually about talking to people. It was about meeting people. It was about engaging with them. And she, she taught me something that no one else ever did in fitness. You know, people had the theoretical knowledge, but actually it was about talking to people. And I, t- I tell you what, that experience has blessed my life now. You know, I, I'm less afraid of going up to people because of what I learned from her. And I have a friend who still works in the fitness industry, and he's worked in it for, I don't know, 15 years. And he says, no one ever taught me what Leslie Barnett taught me. And I'm sure probably most of us can think of someone in our lives who has changed our lives, who we live with some of their legacy. We, we think, oh, actually, if I could be like that person, if my life could be partly like theirs, I'd be doing well. And what Leslie did was she demonstrated something. She lived it. You know, she, she was, was this person. She was fitness herself. And, and she always engaged with everybody. She was brilliant at it. And what she did was she taught us and said, go and do likewise. She said, look, watch, watch what I do. Now you guys go and do it. Go and do likewise. And this morning, we're going to read from a story where the application is go and do likewise. And I've called this morning's sermons, Love Changes Lives. And I believe today that God wants to meet with every single person in this room. And he wants to reveal something of his love for you. And that as you experience his love, it will change your life. And you will be able to go and do likewise. So I'm going to read from uh, John chapter 13. If you've got a Bible, you might want to turn there. And it says this, it says... Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he'd come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, he resumed his place and said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am so. If then I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. 
Truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. One of the Bible commentators likens John's gospel to a giant pendulum that starts at the top, a really high point, comes down and then returns to a high point. And at Christmas we hear, don't we, in the beginning was the word. You know, John starts with a bang. Wow, look at God, look at Jesus. And then it comes down to this low point. And the first sort of 12 chapters are all about the signs that Jesus did. He did lots and lots of signs. Then from chapter 13 it sort of turns and focuses on the, the great sign, his death and resurrection. But this is the low point. The low point is... Jesus being betrayed. And this happens, and even before this happens, we see that Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Now the temptation with with lots of the Bible, actually, is to just get to the application. Forget what's happened. Come on, go and do likewise, off we go. Let's go home, Let's let's go do these good deeds. But actually, God wants to speak to us through what Jesus did first. And it's always, we, we receive before we give. We receive first. And we're going to look at that this morning. And I've got four points. And the first is the, the future motivated Jesus. We're told for the, the context of these verses that the Passover was coming. But that Jesus was aware that his time to depart the world was near. Jesus knew where he was going to be with the Father. He knew, he, verse 3, it says, he knew he had come from God and was to return there. This time of the year, we celebrate the coming of Jesus. God the Son, who had been with the Father in all eternity, added flesh to himself. And he took a name, Jesus. And now the time was coming for him to return. He knew where he was going. And Jesus knew that future, and that's what motivated him as he bowed down and started to wash his disciples' feet. He was motivated by the Father's plan. I don't know if any of you, like we did last night, Steve probably wouldn't like to admit this, but does anyone like I'm a celebrity? Anyone watching it? Uh, anyone, anyone too afraid to put their hand up? Yeah, a few people. <laughs> My wife loves I'm a celebrity. For three weeks I lose her. She wants to watch it all the time. But one of the things about I'm a Celebrity is that they have to earn food. And the way they earn food is by doing terrible things. Whether it's bugs in the, the helmet thing or whether it's crawling through tunnels or diving with crocodiles. They have to do terrible things to earn food. But they're motivated, aren't they? They're motivated by the future rewards. And they're actually motivated to do it for others. You know, they're motivated. They see that there's a reward that awaits them, and that's why they go through the trials. And for us, if we've given our lives to Jesus, there is a future reward, which means now we can go through hard times. It means now we can live this kingdom now. We can do it. There's a reward for us, and we can serve Jesus in incredible ways if we keep our eyes fixed on the things that are before us. Jesus knew this at supper. And he took off his outer garments. He took them off and he tied a towel around his waist. The second thing is it's the king that serves. Jesus is the king that serves. 
Jesus took the role of the servant who had washed the feet of those who entered the house. Verse 5, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel wrapped around him. This task was so demeaning that Jewish slaves would not do it. It was the Gentiles who would have this task. And there's a story of Rabbi Ishmael who returns home from the synagogue and his mother wished to wash his feet. He refused her this task because it was too demeaning. She took him to the rabbinic court, as you do, you know, because she viewed the task as a way of honouring him. It's not actually clear what happened, but this shows you that this was a task that was not done. It was done by those who were seen as lower down. In fact, there's no incidences in, in any Jewish or Greco-Roman sources of a superior washing the feet of an inferior. This was unheard of, but Jesus, the eternal Son of God, gets down and washes his followers' feet. Washing feet is strange in our culture, isn't it? I went to South Africa and there was this American charity that came and they gave shoes to some of the kids, but they wanted to wash their feet. And I was unsure about this because it's just a strange thing to do. We don't really understand it. And we could try and think, oh, what does this mean for us today? You know, is it like the, clean, uh, the queen coming around and cleaning your toilet or, or something like that? Or, you know... But no modern example is, is so demeaning, yet so personal. Jesus sat there and washed their feet. There was touch there. There was love there. And it's a picture of what Jesus would do on the cross. He would wash them clean. He would purify them. He would make them right before God. And in both we see that Jesus, the King, the one who deserves all Praise or glory, the one who's high and lifted up, as we sang earlier, be high and lifted up. He's the one who became low. D.A. Carson says, the two events, the foot washing and the crucifixion, are truly a piece. The revered and exalted Messiah assumes the role of the despised servant for the good of others. Jesus was showing that his glory was different from the expressions of glory that we see around the world. Later on that evening, he said, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus humbled himself. He became a servant by washing his disciples' feet. And later on, he would do something even greater as he laid down his life for them. Now, Jesus, when we, when we read this story, you know, Jesus wants to wash our feet. He wants to wash us clean of all our mess. Peter was the one who went, no, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus, Peter understood what was going on here, and Peter wouldn't let Jesus do it. But Jesus says, if I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Jesus must wash us clean, each one of us. As soon as Jesus says that, you know what Peter's like. He's like suddenly, oh, well, wash me all. I want everything. I want everything that's going. But as Peter often does, he misses the point. 
He didn't require a full clean. It was only his feet that were dirty. And he and the other disciples needed to allow Jesus to wash their feet if they were to be part of what he was doing. And for anyone who wants to enjoy the life that Jesus has to offer, we have to allow him to wash us clean. There's no other way to freedom. There's no other way to a clear conscience. There's no other way to heaven. There's no other way to eternal life. It is only through Jesus' sacrifice. And Jesus wants to, whether you think you're worthy of him to wash your feet or not, whether you think you're worthy of him to die for you or not, he still wants to get down and to meet with you. He died for, for all of us, each and every one of us. In verses 10 and 11, Jesus speaks of one who isn't clean, and Judas, who would very soon leave them to betray Jesus. And what we don't realize when we sort of read through this story is that Jesus washed Judas's feet. He washed all the disciples' feet. Jesus knew what was, Judas was going to do, and Jesus still got down and washed his feet. It's amazing, isn't it? Jesus washes Judas's feet. And whether you think you're deserving of God's grace or mercy, he loves you and he wants to wash you clean. After this, Jesus put on his outer garments and returned to his place at the table. And he asked them, do you understand what I've done? And obviously they had no clue. They had no idea. And he explained, you call me teacher and Lord. And you're right to do so. This was the king of glory. This was the one who always was there. This was the creator, great teacher and Messiah. And he tells them, if I, as your Lord and saviour, have washed your feet, you also must wash each other's. He set them an example which his disciples were to follow. And that my first, fourth point is to follow Jesus' example. Truly, truly, I say to you, as a servant is not greater than the one who sent him. Jesus is saying, no one, no one is above this call. If the master has done it to you, so you must do it to each other. And as I said earlier, this is not literally washing people's feet. This is acts of kindness. It's acts of love that are sacrificial, that demonstrate something of God's love. How can you express love to those around you? How can you do it? Verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Like all of these things, the blessing is for those who do them. Blessed are those who do it. When, when the wise man built his house on the rock, the wise man who built his house on the rock was the one who heard Jesus' teaching and did it. It wasn't someone who was wise with you know, masonry or anything like that. It was those who are doers of the word. James says, be doers of the word, not, not hearers only. And there's a call for us to love each other in ways that mean we lower ourselves so that others are lifted up. That we serve for the benefit of others. That we get down and we lift each other up. And so we might say in regions beyond, we're there for each other's success. We're there to ensure that there's success for each other. And I want to tell you about someone who did this. 
I like that slide, do it. Is there, anyone remember that film? <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Henry, Henry Nouwen. He was a Catholic. Anyone heard of Henry Nouwen? Maybe one or two. He was a... He was a Catholic priest who excelled in academia. He was at Notre Dame, Yale, and Harvard. But he had a powerful encounter of God's love through the painting, Rembrandt's The Prodigal Son. And he committed himself, rather than doing something that was prestigious, he committed himself to working in a Christian community that cared for the disabled. And he exchanged his life of significance for one of service. And he said that those years were the most fulfilling years of his life. That he found great fulfillment in serving others. That actually he found that that was what his heart wanted to do most. Not do something that was high and, oh, I'm very important, but actually to get down and to help those in need. And this morning, we could just focus on the do it. And, right, let's try and think of ways that we can do this. How can we love and wash each other's feet? This only happens from an encounter with God's love. All of our service comes from a response to God's love. When we understand his love for us, we can love others. Gary Burge, who's a Bible commentator, he said, it's impossible for us to imitate this lowly role of Jesus unless we have a clear understanding of what he has done for us. Jesus only expects his disciples to wash someone else's feet after he has washed themselves. He continues, without a prior life-consuming experience of God's love for us, we will be singularly ill-equipped to love anyone else. 1 John 4, 10 to 11, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God loved us before we loved him. You might be here today and you think, I don't love God. God loves you. God loves you. And this morning, he wants to show you some of that love. I was talking with a neighbor of mine just this week and he came out of his house and I've recently moved and spoken to him before and he was like, what do you do? So I said, I lead a church. And he was like, I really envy you. You know, to just know, to know that God's there. I said, you can know for yourself. You can experience God. And I think this morning, God wants us to experience him. He showed love to all he met, Jesus. Healing the sick, touching lepers, forgiving the woman caught in adultery. And on the night he was betrayed, he got down and washed his disciples' feet. A picture of how low he would go to serve humanity. Less than 24 hours later, soldiers would drive nails through his hands and feet. And he would hang on a cross naked for everyone to see. Because he loves us. He loves you and me. And he would do all this so that we could experience his love. That we could experience that relationship made right with the Father again. And he did this so that our lives, or the mess of our lives, doesn't be the thing that defines us. But actually, as we encounter his love, we can be transformed and changed. And the things of the past, we can move on from them. There's no sin too great that Jesus' sacrifice cannot atone for. 
And now Jesus is ruling, risen and reigning. And this morning he welcomes you and me to experience his love this morning. I want to invite us to stand. Might be your first time in a meeting like this. It might be your thousandth time. But God wants to meet with you this morning where you are. It may be that God's really speaking to you and you feel, I I really want someone to pray with me. I really, really want help. I, I really feel I need that. And I'd invite you to come forwards. If that's you, just come forward. There will be members of the ministry team who will come and pray with you. But it may be that you just want to stay where you are. But I want to encourage you, just close your eyes. You might want to put your hands out. Just still your heart. Just, just for a moment, maybe you, you might want to just picture Jesus kneeling before you, washing your feet. When Dean was baptized a few weeks ago, I said, you know, this is, there's many pictures of baptizing, but one has been washed clean. And Jesus wants to wash us clean of the mistakes we've made, things we've done in the past, of the things that still plague our conscience. He wants to wash us clean. Even for some of us, we've walked for years with Jesus, but we still plagued with con- with things that we've done in the past and Jesus wants to wash us clean again this morning he wants to show us his love he wants to demonstrate his love to us Lord we we want to thank you Lord where would we be if you didn't die if you didn't come to die for us Lord what a mess we would be in But Lord, we thank you that you came to die for us. Lord, you came so that we could be washed clean, so that those mistakes and those things we've done wrong could be washed away and we could experience this undeserved love. This undeserved love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If God's really speaking to you, you may want to come out the front now. You want to come towards us. We want to pray across this room for that experience of God's love. Come, Lord. Lord, Lord, even for some of us, maybe we don't feel we deserve that love. Lord, you, you want to shower that love on us this morning. You want to show us your love and, Lord, call us to a different life, Lord. Call us to a life of following you, to say, actually, the way, the way you've lived your life, you're... Move away from that and come to me. Lord, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, you wash us clean. Thank you, Lord, you equip us to love others. And we want to pray this morning, Lord, would you give us your eyes to see the world around us with the eyes of love. Lord, you love us when we don't deserve it. You love us. Lord, and there's a world out there who maybe we, we look at people and we think they don't deserve it, but Lord, we didn't deserve it. Lord, please, please move in our hearts. Lord, give us love for others like you have it.
Lord, change us, mould us, transform us, Lord. Lord, we want to be those who go and do likewise, who go and serve others in, in incredible ways. For your kingdom and your glory's sake, we pray. Come, Lord. Yeah, let's keep responding to God wherever you're at right now. Whether you've been a Christian a long time or not even a Christian, God wants to pour out his love on us. So key, so we worship God. If you want to receive prayer, I know some of you are wanting to respond.